What's up, guys? This is The Way Podcast, where we don't know exactly what we're going to be talking about, but for the foreseeable future, we're going to be discussing The Mandalorian. So I'm here with my good friend, Jacob. Hey, guys. And today we will be discussing chapters one and two from season one. Do you want to tell us about your extensive history with Star Wars, Marcos, or The Mandalorian specifically first, and then break it down? Sure. Um, So with The Mandalorian, when it first got announced, it wasn't a show that I was extremely extremely excited for probably what excited me most was the title the mandalorian just knowing kind of like the history of the mandalorians and um, everything that happened with them during the clone wars but um as far as star wars as a whole i've been a star wars fan i don't know how long probably since i was like 10 i've watched all the movies multiple times played a lot of the games i've read the comic books yeah i'm pretty involved in the star wars community I stay up to date with all like the breaking news, all of the behind the scenes um, and all the speculation. So I'm pretty well educated in Star Wars. <laughs> and you have seen The Mandalorian, right? All yes, of- I've seen it. I've seen both seasons multiple times. Yeah. As as we're recording this season two, just finished like what, last week, a week ago, something like that. Yes. Yeah. So um, I haven't watched any of it, but I, too, have watched all the Star Wars movies at least twice, um, some more than others. But I the what would you call it extended universe i've never really dove into i watched clone wars a little bit when i was a kid but that's about it but yeah so i'm, I'm excited to get into this uh, marcos and several of my other friends have hyped up the mandalorian a lot like a lot a lot like i was wrong for not watching it when it first came out i'm expecting good things i did watch the first two episodes when they first came out and i was like i don't know if i want to wait a week for this every time but it, better the second time i started watching it Mm-hmm. Uh, well anything else um so what is your i know that you had started watching it the first time around and you kind of stopped and it when we had talked about it i remember you bringing up that it's kind of because you were expecting more of like an hour long um game of thrones type um storytelling so what it, is that kind of what steered you away from watching it yeah and it wasn't that it was bad it was more of it wasn't what i was expecting like it was at least the first two episodes and like i told you i didn't i didn't go back in which maybe my fault maybe not it was just like yeah it was only 30 minutes and i'm like i'm gonna have to wait a whole week to watch 30 more minutes of this show and i was like my my whole thing was like i'll wait till it's all out and then watch season one all together but it just didn't happen and then season two came out and i was like well i'll just wait for season two to finish and then i'll jump in yeah and i think that's something that also kind of ran through my head when we first started is I wanted or when I first started watching it, I wanted it to be that hour long kind of storytelling because of like shows like Game of Thrones that are very rich in their storytelling. And I feel like the writers and directors like Dave Filoni and John Favreau really kind of won me over with the fact that an episode doesn't have to be an hour to get a lot done. Um, Because there's some episodes later, um, later on in the show that are going to be short, but they're going to have so much content to them and they're going to move the show forward so much. And I think that's just a testimony of the writing and just the preparation that went into the planning for this show. Yeah, I actually agree with that on episode one. It does give you a lot of information very well in a short amount of time, which I was really impressed with. And yeah, well, let's jump into chapter one. The Mandalorian, directed by Dave Filoni and written by Jon Favreau. What are your general thoughts about this episode? So I think episode one of season one, I would put up there with kind of pretty much the top um, Tier? premieres ever. Oh, okay. Yeah, like the top um, pilots. Yeah, pilots of all time. I think it's super iconic with the way that it ends, with the way that everything unfolds in it. Um yeah, it's amazing. It's super, super well done. And it really establishes kind of the tone of this world, which is something Star Wars has always been good at kind of that world building, um, sucking you into that type of an environment. And this one does that very, very well. Yeah, I have to I have to agree wholeheartedly with that. The tone is set very well, like space cowboy, perfectly done soundtrack awesome and then it sets the stage for what well, i would assume would be the rest of the season with the reveal at the end which we're underwriting uh, operating under the impression that you watch these episodes before you listen yeah of the spoiler embargo has lifted yeah on this one. <laughs> yeah the of uh the reveal of the child at the end i really love this episode honestly it was really good and i agree with you with pilot where like i think of game of thrones 
where like the pilot could be kind of weak because like not much happens you know like it is kind of like more about meeting the characters and stuff where not this one like starts with action sets up the tone and then you have a great reveal at the end Mm -hmm. so i really like this episode and something that i think the mandalorian does better than anything else i can think of even marvel is um i always tell my wife about this how you can watch this show at a surface level knowing nothing about star wars or you can also watch it having 40 years of history yeah because everything is so well thought out where something may seem very small but there's so much history behind it and so much thought that went into each scene and everything that's a part of that scene um so that's really cool i really like how i can watch it with my wife who I've educated more in Star Wars, but she um, she doesn't know as much as me, but she's, she's still Padawan. able. Yeah, she's a Padawan, but she's still able to enjoy it. And then also me, who looks at every tiny detail, is also able to just deep dive into it, um, which is really cool. I think this is the only show I can think of that has that much depth to it. I agree. A Mandalorian walks into a bar. People stare at him very weirdly, and they do the classic... Uh, you spilled my drink, bro. You know, like, I feel like almost every bounty hunter or, like, Western movie, whatever, starts like that. Yep. And they're harassing him, and, of course, he kicks their butt. And he goes over to this guy, who I think his name is Mithral. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if I got that right. And he puts his puck down, and he's like, you're my bounty, bro. Come on with me. As much as I've seen this scene in many other shows, I was like, it's pretty cool. When he drags that guy through the door and just slices him in half, I'm like, nice. That was dope. Yeah. That was very dope. Um, you you encompassed it like perfectly about how it's that classic Western walk into the bar showdown yeah. type scene. Saloon doors open, yeah. silhouette standing there. <laughs> and that's something that um, you'll see that this show does a lot is um, it's very tropey. It's very like, oh, what is the typical Western trope or the typical samurai movie trope? And it kind of plays into those, but with that Star Wars twist on it. And that could be a bad thing. I mean, we criticize things all the time for like, oh, that's so unoriginal. Yeah, unoriginal. But I think that they it's so well done that you you almost like that it's tropey. And Star Wars always has kind of been that way. So um, it kind of plays into just the feel of something that is Star Wars. Um, I know when I first saw this, the thing that caught my attention the most right away was the music um, on that yeah. little like Western. Yeah, so good, bro. For sure, so good. There's a scene later that I like. It's very prevalent that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, moving on. Mando. I'm going to call him Mando. I know that doesn't... I don't know if that's... I just hear people call him that. <laughs> don't worry. You'll see. The Mandalorian. I. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, Mandalorian begins to take his bounty, which is Mithral, to his ship. On the way there, he is warned about Rav- Ravnax. Ravnax. Ravnax, yeah. So they're easier to write than read. Um, and then, of course, once he gets to the ship, they are attacked by the Ravenax, which he's able to defeat in a really cool way. So, first off, I want to, like, go into things I noticed because I don't know anything about the series. Okay. Um, when he gets to the ship that's going to transport him to, to his other ship, the guy's like, oh, I'll get you my fastest speeder. And he's like, I don't want droids. And I was like, very, that caught my attention because it's not the only time he says it in these next two episodes. Mm-hmm. He's like, no droids, no droids. And I hate droids. And I'm like hmm i wonder what that's about like if that i don't know but i just it just caught my attention yeah so um i think it's also important to kind of know what time period this show kind of takes place in. i'm sorry i know you want to talk (laughs) about it but you know how you're saying they explain stuff to you really well like they do it so i want to get to that part and and point out when they do it (laughs) because it's done like i'm like wow that was that was really clever okay but yeah anything to add on this scene um no cgi is great here by the way yeah i mean the show has a crazy budget and some of that star wars has really been known for also is kind of pushing technology i don't think a lot of people know this but actually um the phantom menace the first star wars movie or episode one at least that was the first movie to ever feature a cgi character because george lucas was the one that pushed to do that so i know they get so much crap (laughs) for being cgi but like they were innovating like Mm -hmm. they're one of the first movies to ever be like hey we're gonna do all cgi like it might not be the best CGI, but they're always, they've always tried to push it forward. And that's also something that they've done with this show. Um, I forgot the name of it, but it's pretty much like, imagine a 360 um, TV that they're able to go and stand in. And they pretty much are able to act inside of that screen that's and like change the, it. the Matrix, no? Don't yeah. Do that in the Matrix. I don't remember exactly. But by using that screen, they're able to change the environment. They're able to do so much in there and it looks real. 
um, which is super cool. And I believe they're the first ones to have done that um, for this show. So what you're saying is the Star Wars prequel trilogy fell on the sword. So that way Avengers could. Exactly. They had to walk so they could run. Yeah. Jar Jar Binks had to to come out so they could run. Now I'll give them less crap about that. But like still, come on. You could have. First CGI, you could have. We'll talk about episode one another. Yeah. (laughs) Come on. All right. Aboard the ship, Mithral tries to talk the Mandalorian into letting him go. Mithral attempts to escape and stumbles upon the collection of his bounties the Mandalorian has got. And uh, then he gets collected himself. Kind of set him up, walks down there, sees him, and then he's like, he's all trying to talk his way out of it. And Mando just gets him. I think this part's cool because it's like he knew he was going to try to talk his way out of it. And he let him think that he was like smarter than him. He's like, bro, I'm going to get you. And I love, I love the lack of words the Mandalorian uses in this opening part. It's just so like stoic and cool. But during the scene, some things I want to point out, like how you say they teach you stuff in a really clever way. Mithral mentions that Mandalorians never take off their helmet, mm-hmm. which is like you start learning like, OK, Mandalorians are people, not just like, oh, not he's him. a Mandalorian. Yeah. And then you learn a little bit about their, I guess you could say, culture. Yeah. And th- this scene kind of for me was almost like a throwback to like Empire Strikes Back of the whole bounty hunter collecting them and um, putting them into carbonite. So that's what this really reminded me of. Yeah. And then so we get a transition here. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is because I swear to God. There's Kylo Ren's theme in this transition. I don't know if you remember it, but I was like, that's Kylo Ren's theme. I don't know if that meant anything, but I was like, it was a nice use of it anyways. Huh, I think, I think I, maybe, I don't know. I'd have to go back and check, but. So the Mandalorian arrives on a planet that I don't know. I They didn't say it, which I thought was really weird because Star Wars has always been a, like, don't start. I, I think they do mention the planet. You, okay. Well, anyways, I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I didn't get it. And I don't get the next planet he goes to. <laughs> Um, the Mandalorian arrives on a planet. He enters another bar and has a conversation with his handler, I think is what it is. Well, I mean, at the point, um, you learn that times are rough for bounty hunters and the handler offers him a bounty that is double top secret standard clearance and the client will only give it in person. Mm-hmm. And then one of the key things I know, I learned from this scene, which is like, they do a very good job of like, and this is where I texted you, it reminded me of the Witcher. Like, the Mandalorian walks in, and, like, you can tell he makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know what it is or why, but they all stare at him, and they all seem like they really don't like him. Yeah. And then during this scene, right, the Mandalorian hands him his bounties that he's collected, and the handler gives him uh, Imperial credits, or Empire credits, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And he refuses them, because he's like, the Empire's dying. Which, boom, gives you the hint. Yeah, after kind of Return of the Jedi. On. Yeah, so he's like, no, nah, they're dying. He's like, you can still spend them. And he's like, no. And he accepts... Calamari Fulan. For less. And I'm like, okay, is this because the Empire is dying? Or is there for other reasons that he accepted less money? Mm-hmm. Like maybe he has disdain for the Empire or something like that. Because I think it's like, it was a very weird thing to just straight up point out and spend time in such a short episode of like, he refuses his empire credits for less money mm-hmm. and uh, there's a scene going on uh, after that might connect to it yeah and another thing that this this scene kind of does is it also establishes um kind of the culture of bounty hunting um, because a lot of people think bounty hunters are kind of just like um rogue yeah like they just go out and they can do whatever they want but they actually operate by code and there's certain things that they have to abide by to be a part of the guild which See, is yeah. what he's in this is how this is where the whole guild thing, because they don't explain that to you, right? What Marcos just said, it just, he mentions it and I wrote it down here. Like who, like what is the guild? Because they bring it up, like. The bounty hunters. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's stuff that happens later that makes me, me question that. But we'll, we'll get to that. Moving on. The Mandalorian goes to talk to the client who is, he looks like Hans Zimmer. So that's all I call him. I don't think we get a name <laughs> for him. I don't think anything. And before we get any info from Hans Zimmer. Doctor, a doctor Pershing stumbles into the room and causes a good old Mexican standoff. Hans Zimmer calls everybody down and gets back to business. Hans offers the Mandalorian a piece of Beskar steel as down payment to retrieve a bounty. There's more if he brings the bounty alive and less if he has proof of termination. But he says, bounty hunting is a complicated business. <laughs> Just really cool. A man of your talent should make short work of this. <laughs> I think two things really stand out to me in this scene. One of them is uh, when the stormtroopers come out, they're not all perfect. 
Usually whenever you see stormtroopers, they're always super pristine white. And in this scene, you see how they're all dirty and beaten up. And it almost looks like they're hiding. Like they're they're no longer able to just like patrol the streets. They're in a corner. Um, So it kind of shows also the state of the Empire and where they are. Yeah, and that they have to result to using bounty hunters. They don't have yeah. any more... Like, they, they don't have Vader. Yeah, they can't send their... What, what are they? The, the Inquisitors or... There's a bunch of people yeah, like that. I guess there's special ops out everywhere. They're, they're hiring bounty hunters to go do their things. Yeah. And uh, another really, um, really, really small detail that I don't think you probably even thought of is when Dr. Pershing walks in, um, if you look at what he's wearing... On his um, arm, one of his sides, he actually has a, a symbol. And if you look into what that symbol is, that symbol is actually the symbol of the Kaminoans. Com- I don't yeah. know how Camino, to pronounce right? it. Camino, right? That's how yeah, it's from Camino. Yeah. One of the um, the cloners that Camino is known for cloning. Um, and if you look really closely at his jacket, you can see that he has that symbol, which kind of starts to like clear you towards it. Yeah. Um, um, which is cool. So. From Hans Zimmer's character, which I'm pretty sure they didn't give a name, so like I just leave his name as Hans Zimmer for now. We learned that his handler's name I I have no idea how to spell this, and I know I spelled it wrong, and I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm gonna guess grief cargo. Grief cargo, right? Yeah. Wait, his handler? Yeah, because I didn't I didn't know the guy who he paid. The who, guy who, who paid, paid him? him? Yeah. Oh, that's grief cargo. Yeah. With Carga, Cargara, something like that. It's a hard yeah, name brush to pronounce. Up on these names. Anyways, yeah. So we learned that from him. And also something I've noticed is Pershing is really adamant about keeping the bounty alive. Like super, super adamant. Grief um, Karga. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, there's a little quote here that like really was like caught my attention. And as the Mandalorian, he accepts the, the deal and he's walking out. And Hans Zimmer goes, the Beskar belongs back in the hands of a Mandalorian. It's good to restore the natural order of things. He's dissing him. Is that is that what it was? Yeah, because um, so this is one of no those future spoilers. No, this okay. none of this is spoiling future stuff, really. Um, but this is kind of one of those lines where you could just interpret it one way if you don't know really like about the deeper lore of Star Wars. But if you know kind of the history of what happens, you know that the Empire and the Mandalorians have a history, and um, what goes on during the Clone Wars and the Mandalorian War and all that type of stuff. Um, so he's kind of almost dissing them, like saying like, oh, yeah, it's nice that like you're getting this back because you guys are nothing now type thing. So, yeah, that's like a little insight onto kind of like the relationship between the two. Um, the way I interpreted it as not knowing that history was obviously he's giving us clues that the Mandalorians didn't have this and he's like giving it back to them. So you're like immediately infer like, OK, the Mandalorians aren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, maybe it's foreshadowing, too, because it's like, as we know, in the sequel trilogy, the Empire kind of comes back in the First Order. So, like, I don't know. I don't know. It was just, like, a really weird line that they, re- like, it was really emphasized. So, I was like, this has to mean something. I don't know. I thought it was, like, a really creepy, foreshadowy line. Mm-hmm. And you, you also wrote a line there that is also really important to, um, I think, kind of point out is how Pershing was very adamant about keeping the bounty alive. Because mm-hmm. I, I think that's a very, very important point for his character, is seeing how he's always very big on, like, the bounty and caring about the bounty. Mm-hmm. Not just, like, oh, bring it in dead or whatever. Like, he's very... He wants to almost protect it. And that's something that's very um, characteristic to him. Yeah, and if you've watched the rest of this episode, like you should be, we know the bounty is Yeah, the we, child. we know what the bounty is. Um, and then, aside from story-wise, this scene, like, I, this is when I texted you that this was The Witcher. I was like, this is very The Witcher vibe. And now I'm going to call him Space Carol, because that's who he is. That literally, like, I feel like this first 20 minutes could have been the first 20 minutes of The Witcher show. Like, easy. <laughs> So Mando takes a trip to an underground hideout. Not really sure if he's on the same planet or not. I assume so. He is. And meets up with Space Gendry. Game of Thrones reference there. She's a blacksmith. The uh, the armor. Yeah. He hands her both credits and the Beskar and she forges him a shoulder pad. Um, Before you go on, she mentions two things that like were pretty, I felt like important. She mentions Signet. Signet. And I'm like. Just drops a name, doesn't say anything about it, but she says it, and I'm like, that's probably important. And then she mentions the Great Purge, which I can kind of infer what that is, mm-hmm. which I'm guessing somebody killed the Mandalorians, all of yeah. them. 
So the, the signet, um, I don't think they ever explicitly say it, but pretty much the signet is almost like their symbol that's specifically assigned to a certain Mandalorian. And pretty much the way that you get assigned that signet is you almost have to earn it. Like some, you have to go through some type of trial or something has to happen to you. And then they assign you a signet for you to be like, um, um, I wouldn't say identified known. by, yeah, but known for kind of. And also the Great Purge, um, which she also mentions, um, yeah, that has to do with like what you said, the Mandalorian um, war pretty much, which mm-hmm. we'll probably talk about eventually, but that's like a whole, I need to go and read textbooks to remember every detail about that. Um, it's pretty in depth. And during this whole scene where she's crafting him the shoulder pad and stuff like that with the Beskar, he starts having flashbacks of, I'm assuming, his childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, was this this his childhood during the Great Purge? I don't really know like the timeline that well of how long ago that would have been. But like I assume that it's not. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of leads to a prediction that I have later on anyways. But anyways. Yeah. Um, and then another thing she says, which was like really interesting to me, she says like she hands he hands her the steel and she says, the excess will spawn so many foundlings. Will sponsor many foundlings. Oh, sponsor yeah, so many foundlings. Okay. Um, are you sure? Because I had I had captions on. I'm pretty sure. But okay. Well, so either way, I mean, I'm pretty sure they weren't gonna birth children out of no. <laughs> out of steel. <laughs> I put. I hope these are recruits in the notes. <laughs> I was like, what is this? Um. But yeah, so I was like, okay, um, who are they recruiting because they're dead? And then I think of his flashback and like there's stuff that happens a little bit later. I don't know when, but I, I have a prediction that I make. So this this scene actually has a lot more information. De- detail, yeah, information um, than it might seem. On first watch. Yeah, so it actually is very, um, I wouldn't say obvious, but <laughs> that's mean. Shoot. I can't be like, oh, this is obvious stuff. I'm going to shoot my prediction right now. Mandalorians are orphans. That's that was my shit. Oh, okay. Don't tell, that, don't that, tell was, me. that wasn't what I was gonna bring up. Okay. But but don't um, tell me that scene that he's experiencing is um, the Clone Wars. Is it uh, oh, a B two okay. battle droid comes out? Um, I don't even know. Yeah. So yeah, this is a scene from the Clone Wars. Okay. Um, that's kind of what um, what they're kind of show there, and um, it's pretty heavily inferred. But that kid that comes out is him. Yeah. Being I've... accepted by the Mandalorians, um, and pretty much. I, I don't think they specifically say it. Don't but... spoil it. Be careful here. You're treading on Okay, like, I'm kind of talking about, like, the foundlings. Is basically when the Mandalorians were taking him, he was a foundling. That's, like, how, when he came in. Yeah, see, it says it in the name, too, which is why I'm, like, I'm pretty sure they're orphans, because it says foundlings. I, I don't know entirely. I don't think it's ever stated anywhere if they're specifically orphans. But they're more like inducted in type thing. Like they're accepted. Okay. So, um, which I guess that could be an orphan. I, I don't know if like a parent can like send them. No, I don't know exactly. But so I was pretty, I was pretty spot on in my prediction, right? Yeah. And this, this scene is also kind of establishing, I wouldn't say so much culture, but more religion of the Mandalorians oh, yeah. and kind of like what it is. Cause I don't know if you remember, but also when, um when Mando is walking into the, the lair, like for the Mandalorians, you also see a bunch of kids playing. Yeah, exactly. And they're all that's wearing kind of, helmets. Kind of and that's like, really weird to see. Oh, I didn't, I didn't notice they were wearing helmets. But yeah. But I noticed the kids. So it's establishing that religion kind of of being a Mandalorian. So. All right. Moving on. We travel to, I think, another planet or maybe just another spot on the planet. It doesn't explicitly say. And they're all desert. So I don't know. Um, and the Mandalorian, he gets off his ship and then he gets attacked by Blurgs but is saved by a little old alien man. At the little old alien man's house, he tells us that several bounty hunters have tried capturing this target and they all died. And the Mandalorian has a good line where he's like, well, I don't want your help then, since they all died. And But he offers help in exchange for one of the blurg that they just captured. And then we cut to a training montage of the Mandalorian learning how to ride one. Is there something I noticed about this scene that was very, and I, I don't know, very obvious, I guess you could say, is the little old alien man seems to know a lot about the Mandalorians and seems to have great respect for them. Quoting mm-hmm. himself, he says, your ancestors used to ride on the Mythosaur or whatever. And he's like, he's like kind of trying to pep him up, bro. Like, you're better than this. Or like, you have people to live up to, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just something interesting. Any thoughts? Yeah, um, I'm actually trying to find the exact name, but 
I believe that little guy. Don't tell his name because it hasn't been revealed yet. So it, yeah, it no, no, he never says his name. I oh swear. well, it, it it doesn't have any heavy. It, it's just his name. There's no real implication. Um, his name's Quill, I believe. Yeah, Quill. That little orange dude, Peter Peter Quill. <laughs> Maybe he knows Star Lord. <laughs> so um, his name's Quill, and pretty much yeah, he kind of arrives and he sees like the blurgs and he goes through that whole thing. So when Quill's pretty much telling him like, "Come on, you can do this. Your ancestors rode the great mythosaur." Um, they're referring to it's a. It also comes out in the Clone Wars show. It's like this lizard dragon thing um, that pretty much the Mandalorians at one point had. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's really big, like crazy creature, and he's pretty much saying like, if your if your ancestors could tame that, and you can't tame this little blurg, then like, how can you call yourself a Mandalorian? True, true, true. Kind of encouraging, but also dissing. <laughs> Again, like how we said, they're building the. The, the culture of the Mandalorians in like very clever ways in like a short amount of time, which I think was very good on them. That's why I'm not paid to do this stuff. The little old alien man, I'm still going to call him that because I wrote him down in the notes. And the Mandalorian ride to the encampment where the bounty is being held. And the little old alien man tells him to kill everybody there so there can be peace on his land again. And while the Mandalorian is scoping out the place, a bounty droid starts attacking the encampment. The droid and the Mandalorian team up and take out the people there. Um, this action was. What did you think of the action here? Oh, it was awesome. I thought it again had that westerny type feel, even especially because um, the planet and stuff where they yeah, are, which I desert. believe is Tatooine. I'm like ninety nine percent sure it is Tatooine because the Jawas I, are there. I don't. Yeah, that's what I would guess, but like they don't ever say it, so I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to. It's been a while since I've is. seen it, but I'm. Pretty sure it is Tatooine. But yeah, it has kind of like that westerny feel in the desert. Kind of the small little ghost town uh, type thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought the action here was was really, really cool. And they again kind of established the whole dynamic of what it is to be a bounty hunter. And a part of the guild, right? And a part of the guild. The droid yeah. helps him. Again, the very, IG, IG droid. Very, very key point there, which I think is interesting. Yeah, and, and the IG droid that um, comes out in that scene also is uh, kind of YG. throwing a reference... Yeah, he's kind of throwing a reference to um, IG-88, which was another uh, assassin droid. So those droids are very, very, pretty much powerful, and people fear them a lot because they're assassin droids. Hmm. So yeah, I like the action too. It was very, uh, you know what it reminded me of? Westworld. Like stuff that happened in Westworld, which of mm-hmm. course is a Very western. western. Yeah. Inside the encampment, they discover the bounty, which is a Yoda baby. And I know people call him Baby Yoda, but I'm going to try to call him the child. Because that's what this show, I think, tries to call him. Yeah, they right? call him the child. And then this is where like I start hmm, theorizing. Just, yeah, stuff starts going on here. The droid says, the bounty says for it to be terminated or killed. The Mandalorian says no way he could go viral on the internet and fries the droid. Just kidding, he didn't say what? that. What? <laughs> it's like, that was a joke. Because he did go viral. That was the whole joke. Oh, yeah. The baby joke. Anyways, going. he kills the droid. This is where, this is where I start getting my questions here. The bounty wasn't specific about killing when it was given to the Mandalorian. That he said you can bring him in alive, or he can be terminated. Proof of termination. So this makes me wonder: Are there different people giving the bounties, or just different bounties for different people? Like, hey, hmm. you're a Mandalorian; you might be more capable. Try to bring him in alive. I actually didn't catch that, and I've seen a lot of people break this episode down, and I don't think anybody's ever brought that up either. How it was stated to him, like you could bring it in dead or alive. Yeah, and then the droid literally says it is very specific. Are you sure? Said, I swear, because I was like, I was like, wait a minute, it wasn't specific. It said alive or dead, and the droid was like, the bounty was very specific in saying it must be terminated. Huh. And I don't remember that exactly. Guy. Yeah, interesting, and I think it's funny that the droid saying terminated it makes me think of the Terminator. Yeah, so yeah, that's a big question, and it continues into the next chapter. Also, um, who was originally, this is another question, protecting the child or holding the child captive? I want to know who that is because, like, I don't know. who are they taking it from? <laughs> because the the forces that I know in Star Wars, like, at this point would be, I guess it's, like, the Senate back. The Senate? Right? Palpatine? No, I don't know. That's well, what everybody refers to, the Senate. Well, like... The government, right? Because like, like who's who's the governing force right yeah, now? Yeah, because it's uh, the New Republic. The New Republic. Because okay. um, yeah, it's remember, over. It's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that's the force. Like that's one of the forces involved. And I guess like the remnants of the Empire 
that's it. So like he was contracted by the Empire, so who would he be stealing it from? I don't think just a random band of people got mm-hmm. the baby Yoda or the child. So yeah, that's those are two big questions. Yeah, I think this episode is iconic. That ending where he's like standing over is just like yeah, that's a classic scene, I think, that people are always gonna remember. Yeah. Um and iconic very and yeah, and something that is so cool is I remember when I was watching it, I was like, What? Like never in a million years would I have thought I'm gonna see a Yoda baby. Like it yeah. just never crossed my mind ever. And so many things started going through my head because um well Yoda species in, in Star Wars, we've only ever seen two of his species. One of them was Yoda, obviously, and the other one was Yaddle, which that's a stupid name, but Yaddle, who came out in the Phantom Menace. She was a girl, um, Yoda. In the Phantom Menace? Yeah. She's on the council. Um, Oh, that's right. And hologram, right? No, she's actually there. Oh, she is there? Oh, okay. So this is a really big deal because of how rare that species is and something kind of in the more expanded lore that is emphasizes that his species is a very force sensitive species. That they actually have, like, I think they have two brains or something, and, like, okay. one of them is very, very Force-sensitive. Well, you're ruining my theories right now as you speak, so stop. <laughs> so, I have some questions for Chapter 1. Questions slash predictions, because, like, whatever. They said the same thing. One of my major questions is, how did our Mandalorian become a Mandalorian? And then my prediction is, he was kind of taken in by them, which is pretty much all but confirmed. And then, if we're going along my theory that the droid had a different bounty then the Mandalorian or was given the bounty by somebody else. Like who else is after the child? And then what's the, what's the Mandalorian's backstory, which I know I'm pretty sure we're going to get more of. And I know we're probably going to get more of who else is after the baby Yoda. And then why would Dr. Pershing be so adamant about wanting the Yoda baby alive? Mm-hmm. And I know you can't answer any of those, but <laughs> don't worry. It's good to to think yeah i'm very perplexed by this whole thing with the guild and it gets more it gets more like intense with the opening of the next episode so any any final thoughts of chapter one the mandalorian no i think this was a very good world world building episode um it was a little bit longer than most of the episodes. Most of the episodes get a little bit shorter after this one, except for, I think, the last episode. Something else I also love is, like, the dialogue is so Star Wars-y, I guess. Like, they say things that are just, like, that's not normal speech. Well, you're definitely thrown into the world. It reminds me of, like, Game of Thrones when they just, they're speaking, like, it was yeah. medieval times. Like, you just yeah. have to catch up. Which is great. I really like that about Appreciate this episode. That. Besides that, no, I just think it really establishes the tone. It establishes um, the Mandalorian very well like kind of like who he is a little bit of where he's at right now as far as the culture of the people that he's with it also establishes where kind of all the different i guess you could call them parties are like the state of the empire it kind of establishes the state of the mandalorians how they're in hideout without having to give you like a huge dump of exposition exposition which i think was like brilliant honestly i really was impressed by that yeah it's very very well planned and that's something that i was telling jacob about the star wars gallery where they go behind the scenes and when you watch it, it's so fun to watch because you can just see how much care all of these people have for the show mm-hmm. and how they think about so, so, so much about every scene, everything that happens. It's so well thought out because like, I don't know if you know, but Dave Filoni is basically like the apprentice to George Lucas. Mm-hmm. He is like, he's the next George Lucas basically when it comes to Star Wars. He knows star wars better than anybody else there and yeah i don't know if you know this also but there's actually a group of about five directors that work on this show um, i'm pretty sure i mean we get another director That's yeah usually the case and they they all collaborate and when you see them kind of sitting down talking about it it's they don't ever have this mentality of like i'm gonna do the way i want they all are, like come to each other like some people <laughs> like um for instance like a lot of people go to dave filoni and they'll be like hey man like i want to do this and he'll be like oh well in this year of this and this, this happened, and this is why they're the way they are like this. And he's almost like the the um, the encyclopedia yeah. for them. So yeah, this episode's so well thought out, and it really establishes the tone for everything moving forward. So. Also, also, I forgot to write one of my predictions in here, and this was like a prediction for an overall show. We need to start keeping track of my predictions and see how many I get right. My prediction is a big one. The Mandalorian is the story of our Mandalorian earning his right to be called the Mandalorian. That's what I would like say this what what this series is going to be. At least for a time. Okay. Maybe season one, maybe both. So yeah, moving on to 
Chapter 2, The Child. This one is directed by Rick Famuyiha. I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I should have learned how to pronounce it. I feel very disrespectful. I do. Written by and written by John Favreau. Does he write all of them? He writes a lot, yeah. Okay. Um, general thoughts on this one. Um, so this one... Can I go uh, first? Like, for instance... Um, sure, you go first. Yeah, big, big step down from the first episode, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, I, I know this is kind of the one where it kind of lost Jacob. <laughs> um, mainly because... So, this episode came out the next day after the premiere did. This one was the very next day. And I, I think it's more of a continuation of the first episode. It was like a part one, part two um, type thing. Because uh, this one isn't as it doesn't push the story forward as much Mm -mm. but it's more of like a side quest yeah but it does start to kind of develop that relationship between the Mandalorian and the child and also something that this episode does that I think a lot of people really like about Star Wars is developing that world like showing you these different species and like what they do and their cultures yeah and their cultures it it almost has like a um like a let's go on an adventure type feel like Mm -hmm. oh like what are they gonna do this week yeah like I I really enjoyed it still yeah Um, would I say it's one of the best episodes of the season. I don't know. Uh, definitely the first one is way, way, way better when it comes to like pushing the story forward. But just like every other episode in this show, um, it's still extremely well done. It's still extremely well directed, acted. Everything about it is amazing. Just maybe for some people, the direction that it moves story-wise isn't their favorite. But uh, this show also isn't scared to kind of like, hey, like let's just take a break and establish this world. Let's establish these characters um, which is really bold thing to do when you only have eight episodes and they're like 30 minutes to be yeah. like, we're going to just look at this for a little bit. It, d- it doesn't bother me as much the second time I watched it because it's like, I know I could just click play for the third episode to come around. It was like the first time I watched it. I'm like, really, bro? I have to wait a week. That's what you gave me? Yeah. Like this, there's two things that happen that kind of advance the story and then that's about it. So let's get into it. We open on the Mandalorian walking with the child. They get jumped by other question mark, question mark bounty hunters mm-hmm. which again here we go well let's get into it ready here's some of the things first of all his gun just absolutely wrecks people <laughs> it um um vaporizes yeah vapor i put obliterates oh no it disintegrates okay there because there's actually a line oh, from the empire go. strikes back where um i don't know if you remember but vader is talking to boba fett and he points at him and he says no disintegrations and because boba fett also has that gun that mm. disintegrates people so yeah, that's a cool little thing. But yeah, it completely just yeah dissolves them. <laughs> um, so yeah, this goes into my my questions: where who is after the child? And this is where I question the guild because how you said they have a code, and these guys have trackers for I'm guessing the child, but they're stealing from the Mandalorian. But before in the last episode, the droid was willing to help him. Yeah, I. So it's like very like. Are there different bounties being sent? Like, I really think, like, I think they would have put enough thought for that not to be a continuity error, you know? Like, oh, we messed up and we kind of just made action for action. I, I don't believe they are Mandalorian or bounty hunters, if I remember correctly. I don't think they are because um, part of the bounty hunters code is you can't attack other bounty hunters. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm so like, were not. they part of the guild or were they not? And then, of course, that leads to the question, well, if they're not, who else is after him? Mm-hmm. And like I said, the two parties in... Star it could have Wars just right been um, like pirates or robbers. There's a lot of people like that. They had a tracker. They were tracking oh, him. That was true. They were tracking him. So someone's telling them to go after them. Man, I need to go back. <laughs> yeah. Like, There's so many little details. But something that's really cool and I I appreciate it a lot about the way that the show is handled is whenever you have a question like that where you're like, that's a plot hole. Most of the time when you go and look into it, you're like, oh, it's not a plot hole. Like, yeah, they thought about it. Um, cause that it's so common with, with things nowadays where we have to almost be like, don't think about it too much. Cause if you yeah. do, you're going to find a hole. But with this one, it's almost like they're telling you, think about it because we thought about it. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like, I kind of feel that way already with the first episode where I'm like, I have respect. So I don't think it's like, ah, gotcha. Like you messed up there. You know, I'm just, I'm leading, it's leading me to other questions, which I think is really impressive. And then after that, we have a whole lot of tag quest. <laughs> The Mandalorian yeah. and the child camp for the night. Oh, this is interesting. The Mandalorian is wounded from the fight he had with the other people chasing the child. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the child is about to use the force on him. He has his hand outreached and he's like... Closing uh, his eyes. Doing the whole force look. And it's like a really cute bonding moment. But this is where like I'm 
point in my knowledge of Star Wars. And I'm like, the only time I can remember in the movies someone using the Force to heal somebody was Rey. Yeah. In the, um, the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And I'm like, God, I don't know. You know, like that made my gears turn a little bit. And I don't have enough Star Wars to know, like, ah. But I'm like, interesting, because she's the only one who knew how to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a, it is a Force ability, just... And she came from a really powerful person. Oh, my God. You know what I mean? It, um... It is a force ability. It hasn't really been seen very much in the in the show, but it's called Force Heal. <laughs> and um, yeah, I think it's kind of almost like um, a pretty big hint whenever somebody puts their hand up like that that they're trying to use the force. Um, so you, this is kind of introducing the fact that Baby Yoda has force abilities mm-hmm. and he's he's trying to use them kind of. Which we will see later. Oh, well, something else you totally forgot to mention <gasps> from episode one. Is they also give how old Baby Yoda is. Oh, yeah, 50 is. years. Damn, I forgot to write He's that down. He's 50 years old. And I think that is a, a really, really, really big thing to think about because... Um, I apologize. Um, how many years is Mando from A New Hope? Oh, hold on, hold on. Don't tell me. Don't tell me because I want to start. I know. Okay, well, let me... Just, oh, I guess it's hey, fine. It's fine this because is, it's in the past. Yeah, it's this fine. is the past. So Mandalorian takes place 10 years after Return of the Jedi. Right, and it all—I believe from that point, I think it's twenty-five years. I would have to go back and check, meaning that Baby Yoda pretty much was born during the prequel era. Meaning he's been around through pretty much everything we've seen cinematically when it comes to Star Wars. All right. Well, so I you could some, you could factor that into your theories. And stuff. I have some theories about that. That doesn't change too much. Well, it might actually ruin all of it. Okay. <laughs> So, the Mandal- after they wake up, the Mandalorian and the child go back to his ship and see it getting stripped for parts by Jawas. The Mandalorian blasts a lot of them and tries to commandeer their fortress. He fails. The ship is irreparable, so they walk back to the little old alien man's house. Krill? Quill. Yeah, Quill. Peter Quill. And he tells the Mandalorian to trade with the Jawas, which I think is like, really? Like, I would have been upset. Like, they stole from me, bro. And he says it. He's like, they should have stole from me. You know they're played by little kids? I figured, because I'm like, they don't, they don't look And fake. a new hope also, they um, they would have little kids dress up and they would play the Jawas. Oh, yeah. And then on the scene, the child eats a lizard, which was really... <laughs> just, Actually have to It made me laugh. I think something that this show does so so well also is it adds to everything else that is Star Wars. Like, it adds to a new hope. Because it's it's building also kind of on that culture of the Jawas. Like the way the Jawas are and the way that they kind of do life. Which is really cool. I mean, for some people they might just want story, story, story. But this is kind of like just building the world. So where mm-hmm. when you go back and watch A New Hope, you could think like, oh, the Jawas are traitors and they do these types of things. So I think that's really cool about it. Do you like Jawas? Do I like Jawas? Yeah, I do. I hate them, dude. I would like... You don't like them? Dude, they're, they're little thieves, and then, like, they have you make they make you buy your own stuff back. Like, that's so annoying. I think he actually disintegrates a couple. He disintegrates a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, like, the baby Yoda's watching, like, whoa, you know? All right. So, he tells him, yeah, to, like, go trade with them or whatever. And so, he goes back to the fortress, and the Mandalorian is told to drop his rifle. And then, here we go. We get more of his culture... And he says, weapons are a part of my religion. And that's when you're like, boom, Mandalorians are like... Religious. Yeah, type religious thing. thing. He eventually listens. And have, after- you, have you seen all the memes about that? Oh, yeah. Like I've where it's yeah. like when uh, the government tells you you have to give up your guns. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah, I remember, I remember when the, the episode first came out. There was, there was great ones. After horrible negotiating, the Jawas say he can have his parts back if he gets them the egg. Oh, what do they call it? They call it a word in their language. Suka. Oh, yeah. I think, yeah. Um, this is another thing where, like, it might be lazy, but I like it where everything's called the egg, the child. The oh, guy. and the captions? Everything, yeah, the, in the captions. The there. subtitles? Yeah. Ah, that's that's not them. I don't think the writers also write the, no, no, no. the it, captions. It's called the egg, like. Instead of the suka. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, like, I, I just like, I like it. I like it, like, the child. So the Mandalorian and the child go to some lair to retrieve the egg. The Mandalorian has to have this fight with what it's called a mudhorn, which the mud horn. is in the captions, thankfully. And, you know, he's, he's going to get got. But then the child saves the day and uses the force to stop the mudhorn, allowing the Mandalorian to kill it. But then he gets tired from using the force and passes out. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what you just said is a really important thing is 
you're kind of this also establishes almost the consequences of using the force for the child mm-hmm. like how he immediately gets tired he gets sleepy yeah um, well yeah uh, i'm gonna finish up and then talk about this because it pretty much ends here the mandalorian and the yoda baby bring the egg to the jawas and they get their parts back and we have like this really cool work montage reminds me of iron man one where he's like Ting, Ting. oh yeah <laughs> um and the mandalorian offers the little old alien man otherwise known as quill a job and he refuses and we leave and that's the end of the episode yeah pretty pretty simple one i think it's just more world building type of an episode not yeah. so much story pushing the story um which i i think if that's something that you kind of go into each episode like hey let's see the adventure that we go on i think it, you really enjoy it whereas if you're going into each episode thinking like i need the story to move forward every dialogue needs to move it forward then i think that's how come some people tend to get like upset with certain things because they're wanting it to just be story 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 instead of just like hey like let's just have something cool or let's just enjoy like it, it's a lot of character building also i i understand that also but like my thing is like why like i know that they're 30 minute episodes for whatever reason they chose to do that where i was like this could have been an hour long episode it would have been fine budget man you know they spent more i think right now their budget is like a little over a million for each episode is that a lot yeah it's a lot i think i looked it up and i think it's actually i think it was a little more or a little less than game of thrones last season game of thrones dang yeah so their budget is through the roof i always am telling my wife this that like after watching season one and season two it almost makes me be like why do we even have movies like this is literally movie quality sometimes even better than some of the movies we get i told you when like they start making books into movies like i just make it a tv show (laughs) just make it a tv show because you have so much more time yeah you do it's great um so here questions and predictions and this will be on chapter two and the first two chapters as a whole so going back to my knowledge of star wars every character that doesn't know how to use the force had to be trained mm-hmm. and like the except, for, baby, except for ray <laughs> well she still kind of got trained all right like whether this, we can talk about the sequels the movie trained we'll need another her. episode for that one <laughs> she still had to get kind of trained but like so and that little jab just furthers my theory of who the heck taught the child because mm-hmm. he knows what to do mm-hmm. and like or like which force users are around right now too well so well that well i thought 50 years back i don't know the timeline well and it made me think of well the only jedi left that i know of in the universe is luke mm-hmm. so where is he cal Kestis from the force or from fallen order he's also around yeah, but, like, I'm... I Anyways, Yoda died in Return of the Jedi, which I'm pretty sure wasn't too far before this. So I'm like, did Ten years. Did Yoda know baby Yoda? Is that his dad? Did either of them teach him? Like, because he knows the Force, and I feel like you have to have been taught in some regard to know how to mm-hmm. use the Force. At least, in like, from what I know of Star Wars. So, like, yeah, there's, like, really big questions there. Like, um, I know a lot of people kind of theorize about, like, Baby Yoda's species and where it comes from and, like, all of this stuff. But something I really like about Yoda's species is I like how mysterious it is. And when when George... Yeah, you just... They're so, like, mystical. Like, um, when George Lucas first wrote Yoda, um, he wanted Yoda to not have a backstory. He wanted Yoda to be this mystical, where did this thing come from type thing. So as, as the show continues to unfold and we kind of start to find out more about him, I hope that they keep that to him, like that mysterious side of like, where does this thing come from? How did it come to be? Another really big theory, obviously, with why they call him Baby Yoda is they think that Yoda is his dad, which I personally do not want that to be because I just think that's so weird. Like just, you know, I, don't, I don't think that's the case. Yeah, it's just weird to me. I don't, I wouldn't really like it. Um, if they did it well, I mean okay but still it's Yoda just like a weird like idea a billion years old I'm 900 sure. and something when he died so like i just can't picture that being his kid and then like with Hogan, well he was 850 when he had <laughs> that's still respectable i'm really interested to see where this goes i want to learn the, the stuff like yeah, he said they're like world building and stuff like that is really cool but like the main story right now to me is like who is after them because, like, if you take away the Star Wars stuff, that's, like, I feel like what's at the core of the story is, like, he's trying to transport this kid. I'm pretty sure in episode three, or whenever he gets to the bounty, he's going to, like, have feelings for Yoda, go back, you know, like. Can I tell you the title of episode yeah, three? Yeah, it's called The Sin. I was actually going to make a prediction. I, 
I think so. We know of religion, right? And there's two of the ones, not a religion, but like cultures, is the guild and the Mandalorians right now. Mm-hmm. And the sin. Well, what what is the sin going against the yeah. teachings? So he's going to betray one of them, you know. So mm-hmm. I think that's that would be the prediction there. Yeah. And like I said, I'm pretty sure he's going to go against the guild because he's not going to want to let them do whatever they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Or, like, more of his guild's going to try to take him from him. Which is, again, like, really confusing because I feel like the guild has a code of honor. And, like, mm-hmm. maybe there's some that have, like, converted to working with the Empire, maybe. Or whoever the Empire is with right now. Yeah, because we, we don't have too much details on the state of the Empire. Yeah, we don't. And, like I said, they're using their they're using the underground to get their stuff done, which is very yeah. not Empire. And I'm curious to see, like, if this leads up into the sequels at all. Because, like... You know, the First Order, kind of like the explanation and the sequels isn't that great. And I'm yeah. like, maybe you can see the foundations of the First Order being mm-hmm. built. And that that's kind of something that a lot of people are, is kind of like a discussion people are having about this show. Is, um, for instance, when the prequels came out at first, a lot of people were upset with them. They didn't really like the way that they were handled. But then, for instance, the Clone Wars show, the animated one, really, really, really builds the prequels up. To where when you watch that and you watch the prequels, it's like a whole different experience. And some people are thinking, man, is the Mandalorian going to kind of do that for for the, the sequels? Which I don't know if it would. I don't know how I feel about it. If any, if it's well done, I don't mind. If anything is well done, even if it's not something I want, I don't mind. But just make it kind of like, yeah, well done, convincing. Because, yeah, we didn't get a good explanation at all of how there's a whole new empire that's super strong. It has all this power. Like, it never was explained. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but no, I really enjoyed the first chapter. Um, chapter two is okay. Like, it wasn't bad. The cinematography is great. Like, everything's great. The soundtrack is killer. But I'm, I'm really excited to see where this where this story leads. And you said the next episode is one of your favorites. So yeah, I'm, that I'm super, I'm super awesome. pumped. Yes, sir. All right. Well, thank you guys for joining us as we discussed uh, Mandalorian chapters one and two of season one. Um, if you guys want to comment or talk to us about any of your theories or anything, I love talking about Star Wars. I watch Star Wars videos daily that dive very deep into the lore and everything that's going on. Um, So anything you want to discuss, I am more than open to it. And I'm sure Jacob would be as well. Um, But yeah, that's all I got. All right. We'll see you guys. Bye. This is the way.